Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and your gates. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You guys can stay standing. Uh, if you haven't met before, my name is Bill. I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic. Um, this Head and the Heart series, uh, for, for me, it's all about, I feel like so often it's easy for churches to do everything about head knowledge. Uh, very educational. We come to a room and we listen to someone speak and we get a little bit more information. But how often does that head knowledge translate to our heart and shape our hearts? See, in, in our society that we live in, I don't think we really have a high value for rituals. Uh, maybe in the sports world, right? So Michael Jordan famously always wore his North Carolina basketball shorts under his Chicago Bulls shorts. Uh, baseball player Wade Boggs, he was very strict about his schedule and what he would do. He would take 118 ground balls uh, as practice before every game. He would eat chicken before every game. And so uh, some scientists began to get a little curious and they began to think to themselves, is there any merit to this? Is there any merit to these rituals? And so what they did was they, they gave these golfers regular golf balls and then they gave them lucky golf balls to see which one they would actually do better with. And they consistently did better with the lucky golf balls. See, what they found over and over again was that these rituals actually increased their performance. Uh, what they found was that it, it increased their attention and it increased their execution. See, rituals have this value in our society, and I don't know if we actually value those things as much or even realize how ritualistic of people we are. So, for the past 2,000 years, there's been this ritual in the church. This ritual that Jesus himself started 2,000 years ago. And that's the ritual of sharing communion together. The Eucharist. That we eat this piece of bread and it represents that God came in the flesh. And that when God came in the flesh, he broke his body for us. 
And then we drink wine or we drink grape juice to symbolize that through God, Jesus' blood on the cross, we can be forgiven. We can be invited around the table. We can share communion with God. And so I wonder if today we can really share a deep value for rituals. Even singing together, the ritual that we share of singing songs together. Uh, There was a study done where what they found was really interesting about communal singing. So these researchers uh, in Sweden, what they did was they monitored the hearts of a Swedish high school choir. And what they found was that their heartbeats obviously are all over the place, very differently. But the second they started singing in unison, their hearts became synced together. Not only were they beating the same beats per minute, but they began to beat to the same rhythm. And the reason for that is because they began to breathe together. That when we breathe and when we slow our breathing, it slows our heart rate down. What they found was that their hearts began to beat as one in unison. So I even wonder, this ritual that we share every single week is singing. Right? We could see it as something that just happens in our head or something that just happens individually. But what if all of our hearts began to beat as one? What if as a church we began to step into that reality that our hearts would beat as one? Not just when we sang, but when we lived. And so what I want us to do is I want us to continue to uh, sing and continue to read scriptures together. And just be very aware of what do these rituals that we do, how can they move from just being head knowledge for you to something that changes your heart? How can your head and your heart be one and not separate? And so we're going to lift up our voices together. And we're going to continue to prepare our hearts to share communion together. And just remember, just think, what if in the midst of us singing together, our hearts begin to beat as one? John 6, 25 to 51. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are not looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves you had and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What, what must we do to, work God's, to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous signs then will you give us that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, and it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, From now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. 
Luke 22, 7 through 20. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, As you enter a city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. You guys can have a seat. How are your legs feeling? I was a lot longer than usual. I love those scriptures. Uh, And I love the fact that Jesus chose bread and chose wine. Uh, Bread, we don't share a high value for bread in our society. Mostly because we can probably buy a loaf of white bread for 50 cents. I'm sure if it's going stale, they'll give it to you for next to nothing. Uh, But bread, bread has been the lifeblood of society for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, Bread can be dated back even as long as 12,000 years ago in some Middle Eastern cultures. Uh, Bread... uh, It was so important to the ancient Egyptian way of life that they used it as a type of currency. Bread, bread. It just seems so simple, such a simple thing, but bread is not an easy thing to make. Bread involves an entire community. Bread involves a lot of skill. You have to have farmers to grow the grain. You have to have a miller to mill that grain into flour. You have to have a baker to bake it into bread. And if anything goes wrong, all those steps, you don't have bread. Uh, There's this food scientist, Bruce Germain, and he says, if you give someone water and a bag of flour, they'll live for a period of time, a few weeks maybe. If you give someone that that same flour and that same water and you have them bake bread, He says that they could live almost indefinitely off that bread. See, there's something about the baking of bread that that changes it. There's something about bread that just brings life. And so bread, it's not just white bread, just as, but it becomes something more, becomes something holy. And then wine. 
wine is so fascinating uh, because it's fermented grape juice. Fermentation kept things alive before refrigeration. Did you know that about one-third of the foods that you eat are fermented foods? One-third of the American diet. It's probably all cheese, but... But one-third of your diet, right? Because we got cheese and wine and beer. Uh, We have uh, kombucha, right? Any kombucha fans? Stuff is gross. Ugh. Tastes like vinegar. Um, And chocolate. Coffee. You want to see something weird? Look at how they ferment cocoa beans. It's kind of gross. But all these things in our world and our society, they thrive and they last because of fermentation. Wine could practically live forever because of fermentation. And so Jesus, in this moment, when he shares this last meal with his followers, he's saying to them, I want you, these two lifebloods of our society, this bread, right? Society is always going to have bread, always. And wine, societies are always going to have grape juice and wine, right? These things, whenever you share these things as a meal together, do this. And when you do this, remember me. Remember my body that is about to be broken on the cross. Remember my blood that is about to be shed on the cross. Do this and never forget. And so... We're also going to do communion a little bit differently today. And so what I want to invite you into is this. And so at the back of the room, there's three stations, right? There's one there, one there, and one there. And at those stations, there's wine and there's grape juice. For those who choose not to consume alcohol, or for those of us who are underage. And then we have bread. We have normal bread and gluten-free bread for all of our gluten-free folks in the house. And so what I want you to do is I want you uh, to get up and go to one of those tables when I say so uh, and get a cup and get a piece of bread and bring it back to your seat. Uh, Wait to share this communion. We're going to share it together. So when I say get up, uh, go to the table, grab a cup, grab a piece of bread and bring it back to your table or bring it back to your seat. You can do that now. I want to finish the passage of scripture that Justin started. This is the way that it finishes. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And then it says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, 
This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Because it seems a little extreme, doesn't it? It almost feels a little weird. Probably because our culture is obsessed with zombies. I don't know. But it feels strange to see those words and to read those words. And I wonder, right? Like, I wonder if there's something deeply significant happening here. More than just something that's going on in our head where we're eating a piece of bread. More than just simply consuming a piece of food. I wonder if there's something deeper going on here. There's something that in our head, it's just bread, but in our heart and in our soul, it's more than just bread. See, when we choose to engage in communion, it's a commitment. It's a choice. It's a declaration of saying, God, I believe you came in the flesh, and I believe that your body was broken on that cross. And in consuming this bread, I'm making a choice to say, that's how I want to live my life. Like, Jesus, I want your flesh to become every part of my flesh. I, in choosing to engage in this holy act of communion, we are making a pretty bold declaration here today. And so I don't want any of us in this room to take this lightly. And even if you're saying to yourself and you're holding this piece of bread and you're like, that's a commitment that I can't choose to make today, that's okay. That's okay. But for those of us who say, I want the flesh of Jesus to permeate every part of who I am, it's those of us who choose to engage and to say yes. And so you have this piece of bread in your fingers. And I didn't want to just give everyone a little tiny piece of bread. I wanted it to be something that we had to take a few bites. And I wanted it to be something that we needed to chew on. And so as you have that piece of bread in your hand, what I'll ask you to do is just kind of touch it and squeeze it. And then when you're ready, break it in half. And in breaking it, think of the sacrifice that Christ made on your behalf. And then, when you're ready, take that bread. And if it's in your heart to say, Jesus, I want every part of your flesh to invade my flesh. And I want to constantly remember the sacrifice that you made for me. And that is the way that I want to live my life. Is what you modeled 2,000 years ago. If that's what your heart is saying, join me in eating the bread. Divine Savior, we come to your sacred table to nourish ourselves, not with bread, but with yourself, true bread of eternal life. Help us daily to make good and perfect meal of this divine food. Let us be continually refreshed by the perfume of your kindness and goodness. May the Holy Spirit fill us with his love. Meanwhile, let us prepare a place for this holy food by emptying our hearts. Amen. And then you have your grape juice or your wine. And I'm sure most of us have still more bread. And that's okay. That's good. Let this be something that we chew on. As we hold our cups, 
our juice or our wine. Let us remember the sacrifice that it took. Right? The fact that God came in the flesh and what we did is we crucified him. And then that somehow through that act, Jesus allowed himself to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. Because if we truly look deep down inside, we realize we're sinful. We've done things that have caused us to not be at peace with ourselves, to not be at peace with others and not be at peace with God. I love this quote that uh, Thomas Merton, he says, we are not at peace with others because we are not at peace with ourselves. We are not at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. See, communion is that cleansing. Sharing the wine or the juice, it's that thing that causes us to say, Jesus, I want your blood to be my blood because I realize that mine is flawed and mine is not perfect. And so with this cup, Jesus, I accept and embrace I am a sinner and I've done things to not be at peace with you not be at peace with myself, not be at peace with others, and I want that peace. The cup brings that peace. The cup brings that communion between us and God. And if you're here and you want to make that declaration to say, Jesus, I need your blood to continually cleanse my blood. Jesus, I want your blood to course through my veins. If that's the choice, that you want to make today, would you join me in partaking in the wine? Almighty God, who does freely pardon all who repent and turn to him, now fulfill in every contrite heart the promise of redeeming grace, forgiving all our sins, and cleansing us from an evil conscience. Through the perfect sacrifice of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The, uh, the word Eucharist, in Greek it means thanksgiving. But if you break down that word Eucharist, right, because it comes from the Greek, Eucharismai, right? We can look at you, which means well or good. Charismai, which means to grant or to give. This idea that the Eucharist is a good gift. This good gift that has been freely given to us through grace. The thing about the peace that the good gift brings, right, is that we get to be living, walking, breathing communion, living, walking, breathing Eucharist, that this communion, it binds us not just to God, but it also binds us to each other, that through this holy ritual that's been done for 2,000 years, right? Every single week, you have blue-haired grannies and blue-haired punk rockers sharing this gift, this good gift together. And that we can walk out of the room saying, Jesus, I want your flesh to be my flesh and I want your blood to be my blood. And that is freely given as a gift, as a gift that we can share and that relationship for eternity with Christ. Just as this wine through fermentation basically will last forever, 
when we choose to engage in communion and when we truly, it's not just a head thing, but it's a heart thing and it's an everything soul thing. When it transforms every part of us, that's when we can step into and embrace the eternal life that Jesus is offering us today, here and now. That we can have peace with God, peace with others, and peace with ourselves. I love that line. (laughs) May we know that, right? There's no shame in looking like a fool when we give up what we can't keep. May we, as we walk out of this room, not forget that we are living, breathing, walking communions. We're living, breathing, walking Eucharist, right? That we, right, we take this with us, this gift, this good gift that has been freely given to us. May we not forget that. And may you learn exactly what Jesus' words say. He says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. May we learn exactly how to do that. How does faith go from our head to our heart, to our soul, to every part of us? And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. May you realize that your love for your neighbors is intimately connected to your love for Jesus. And as it says in Numbers chapter 6, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his smile and give you peace. Thank you, Mosaic. Thank you for choosing to engage in this moment today. Something new, something different. If you have any questions about us as a community, I'd love to chat with you afterwards. I'm sure Aaron would love to. People at the connection table. One thing we forgot to say is we didn't pass an offering basket, but if you want to choose to give, there's some buckets as you're walking out, some giving buckets. You could also give through our app or website, things like that. For those of us who want to do that, feel no pressure. But as we go, may we know just how deep God's love is for us. And maybe that permeate every part of your heart, every part of your mind, every part of your head, and every part of your soul. Thank you, Mosaic. Have a great day.